Hey, everybody, and welcome to the iFreak Show. Today on our panel, we have Andrew Madsen. Hello from Salt Lake City. And I'm James Uber from cold Minneapolis. Today we have a guest. We have Ariel Elkin. Ariel, can you say hi? Hey, everybody. Hi from London, England. So we brought you on the show because you had done an article a month or two back on your experience with React Native titled, Why I'm Not a React Native Developer. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. The um, article came about because the company I was working on at the time had asked me to give React Native a trial. I was working as an iOS developer at the time, had uh, worked on a couple of apps for that uh, company and a dozen more but prior to that. Um, and uh, the idea was to make this new internal app using React Native and also evaluate its potential for the uh, for migration um, towards uh, React Native away from um, Xcode and um, Android Studio. We've As- discussed React Native on the show, but can you give us a real brief introduction of what it is? Right. So React Native is a cross-platform development framework that um, allows you to uh, write apps in the target iOS and Android using a single code base. So traditionally, you would have a um, Objective-C or Swift code base for your iOS apps and then have to make a separate Java uh, code base for your uh, Android apps. The idea behind uh, a cross-platform framework is just to have a single code base written in a single language and um, put that through a uh, compiler, and then you get binaries that work on iOS and binaries that work on Android. One of the um, strong selling points of React Native is that the contrary to uh, many of uh, the cross- other cross-platform um, development frameworks that we have seen, uh, to now, which produced what's really a, a mobile website wrapped inside a web view, React Native allowed you to write code that produced an app that used native, uh, fully native uh, user interface uh, components. So you were not seeing um, JavaScript and HTML inside a web view, but rather UI kits, UI, compo- UI kit um, objects, UI, co- UI controls, UI uh, views, UI buttons uh, being produced out of JavaScript or JSX code. That's why it was called, that's why they added the native uh, bit to uh, to it. At the same time, another uh, thing that's really appealing about React Native is that it reuses the React framework, the um, which is a reactive, uh, which allows for uh, functional reactive uh, programming, which is a pretty uh, new and compelling way to think about user interfaces and your app as a whole. Can you briefly say what, what that really means? Functional reactive programming or using uh, reactive architecture to, to build an app? How is that different from you know what a, what a normal iOS developer does when they're using UIKit? So what we, uh, normally, what we normally do on iOS is we specify all the steps required to, uh, for, this, for the OS to generate the UI. So we uh, would subclass a UI view, and then uh, we would say, I mean, what I like to do, for instance, is to um, have a uh, public uh, variable 
which has a property observer, and uh, whenever the superview of the uh, child UI view updates the um, that variable, then whatever's in the property observer and the code in the property observer uh, automatically updates user the uh, the interface of that um, the child view. The point is you again you specify the uh, the steps required to update uh, the UI. In React's declarative uh, paradigm, um, the um, this is a document. I'm just going to take this from the documentation. You simply express how your app should look at any given point in time, and React will automatically manage all UI updates when your underlying data changes. So when you update uh, state, when you update your state. Uh, when you update the uh, state inside the app, when uh, the model, when your data itself changes, uh, you uh, React takes care of all the plumbing required to make a change in the UI. This is much easier to see in code, and uh, an easy way to think about it is if you compare a for loop, suppose you have an array of numbers and you want to sort them, you can sort them using a for loop, but you can also sort them which is which would be the imperative way, but you can also sort them using the uh, sort uh, function on an array. So the latter is the declarative functional way to do it. Just specify, don't don't, um, don't specify all the steps required, but write a function that has all the steps required within it. But think of it uh, so, so essentially. Think of it as the difference between a for loop and a dot uh, and a sort function for sorting an array. Yeah, so the, the idea I think here, I mean, one of the one of the big draws of of using this is that uh, you know a lot a lot of the bugs that come up in writing a typical UI are basically problems where you don't correctly maintain state. You know, state becomes inconsistent. That is the state that is determining how your UI looks, or reacting to changes in that state to update the, the UI. So reactive programming means you don't you don't do that kind of programming. You say. You, how you want the UI to look in terms of state, um, instead of instead of managing all of that yourself. So yeah, that's 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 exactly right. You don't manually update uh, the views yourself. And uh, one of the one of the results of this is that you end up um, thinking about UI elements um, and um, other uh, things in your app as uh, functions rather than instances of classes. So they take an input and they react as a result. Uh, the The purpose of a React component, uh, is, which is the basic building block of a React app, the purpose of a component is to return itself in the state it's supposed to be uh, when uh, requested. So what does this mean in the context of a iOS app, so if you're starting out, if you're a native iOS developer, which was your background, you know, Swift Objective C, now you're doing it in JavaScript. If you want to create a simple app that does just shows some stuff on a screen, like how do you do that? You wait. The, ver- the first thing you do after installing uh, React Native is uh, call use a command line a command line tool to uh, generate a new react native um, project and that generates uh, an xcode uh, project with uh, build settings uh, build phases required to work properly with the uh, react native uh, sdk and what you do is um, you make a there are many ways to go about it but one way to go about it is um, 
to make a JavaScript file, create a JavaScript file, or use a pre-existing JavaScript file, uh, make a root component, so um, class root extends component, and then you override the uh, render function of that uh, component, and that render function should return all the child components of that root component. And there, you would just write JSX code, uh, which... Uh, specifies the component that should be re that root uh, returns. So one such component again is a class uh, my child component that extends component. The uh, it's and it will again uh, have a render function which you override, and then you check what the state is. And according to uh, the uh, the state of that component, you return. Um, views. So view in this case is akin to uh, a UI view. You style it uh, similar to the way you would style uh, things in uh, CSS. Specify a background color with height and um, put it in uh, the, the syntax is uh, similar to is, is really a blend. It looks like a blend of HTML tags and uh, CSS in between which uh, you call which is uh, JSX. So it's JavaScript plus this, um, uh, this extension that lets you speak something similar to HTML and CSS which is which comes in which is really useful for expressing this kind of UIs. Okay, so you spent a number of time uh, Developing in React Native, uh, what went well with the project? Many things, many things. I mean, to start with, like what we were talking about, the, the declarative style of programming was uh, a breath of uh, fresh air. I found that to be a really useful way to think about user interfaces, and it was good to be relieved of the responsibility of manually updating views uh, myself. All you update is states. And the plumbing is already taken care of for you. That was uh, that was a very um, that was a big breath of uh, fresh air. Another thing I loved about React Native was how fast the um, development cycle is. We're used to um, writing our Swift or Objective C code and hitting uh, Command R, and then waiting for the app to compile waiting for the uh, binary to, uh, to form, and then uh, transferring that binary over to the uh, simulator or device. And then you're taken to the app at, uh, it's uh, in the state it is upon startup. And uh, for medium to large apps, you're, you're talking about uh, 30 seconds or 20, 20 to 30 seconds on average for a whole, for you to see the changes of, uh, that you literally just wrote. As, um, I mean, the more you code on iOS, the more use, the more use you get to this, uh, delay, but it's, um, it's something that, um, that is something that really, that really surprised me how fast iOS development could be. And um, React Native does uh, the, uh, the extremely fast development cycles because it's um, not recompiling your whole app. Your app is compiled just once, and then uh, the changes you make to the JavaScript code are injected into the running app, whether it's on the simulator or the device. So you hit Command-R on the simulator or on the device, and uh, the app is instantly reloaded. 
the JavaScript is instantly um, reread and uh, the app is instantly regenerated. You don't have to. You have to wait probably less than a second or two, and you got your and you got the uh, to get the same result you'd get if you were to hit Command R in Xcode. The React Native team went even further and decided to implement something called hot reloading. So this is something that addresses uh, those um, development scenarios where you need, when you're working on, say, a particular piece of UI that's deep down in your navigation stack. So think about a table view cell that's inside a table view that you reach by another table view that you reach by another table view. We've all been there. Uh, and if you were to modify its UI, whether it's on the storyboard or whether it's in uh, code, whenever you run uh, the app again, you're back at uh, where the app is at startup. You need to literally click on the simulator, drill down in that uh, in that table view to see if the uh, UI looks the way it's supposed to. So with hot reloading in React Native, you reload the, uh, the SDK, reloads just the file that you recently edited it does not reload the whole the, um, the set of all files that your app is composed of so so you don't have to navigate to the startup from the startup screen to the cell to see the changes the, the cell deep down in the navigation stack changes before your eyes and um, that's the uh, and that's something that uh, web developers are, are used to, but that's something that came as a huge innovation uh, to me as an iOS developer. So I mean, or, I mean, I, before iOS, I used to. Uh, I mean, Java was my first uh, was my first language, and again, you have to compile and run your whole uh, Java code, and that took a while. And um, over many programming sessions, you're talking about hours of development time, uh, where you're just sitting, staring at the screen, waiting for the um, for the app to compile and run, and for you to then drill back to the city you were at. And uh, that's a lot of time. That's uh, that's a lot of time that's saved. A lot, a lot, a lot of time that's saved, and uh, one of the, and you know, all the benefits uh, that they can afford. And uh, one of them is that it doesn't kill the buzz. I mean, I don't know if you guys have that, but you're working on an app and uh, you're in the zone, right? So you got your, you have that sweet spot of great uh, concentration, and then you need to wait for the whole thing to compile and to run <laughs> onto your device. That's that breaks the momentum a little bit. So that pain point is entirely removed with React Native. And I loved that. I really, really loved that. One last uh, lovely feature of React Native, which is evident, is that it's uh, cross-platform. I got to make my first Android app thanks to React Native. And all it took was uh, modify the Android uh, Gradle file, plug in an Android device, and it ran. And it looked exactly the way it looked on my iOS device. The advantages are obvious. You get to reach the millions of users who are asking for an Android version. You, know, you don't need to rewrite it all from scratch in uh, Java. You just your your code base will produce the same app on Android. That's uh, incredibly advantageous. So you've just gone through um, all of the things that were really pretty great about using React Native for the project you used it for. But the title of your blog post is "Why I Am Not a React Native Developer." 
Um, so yeah. let's let's get into a little bit of the the your reasoning there. Why why is React Native not sort of the perfect solution? To to, to refer back to that title again, it's why me Ariel, I'm not a React Native developer. This is some. This is um, there. There are many. There are many reasons for which uh, it didn't work out for me, but I do acknowledge that it works. It worked out great for other people. So these are my own uh, personal um, reasons for not liking it. I'd like to point uh, that out. Uh, there were uh, there were a set of deal breakers, and um, to briefly go over them, there is. Uh, the roadmap for the development of React Native was uncertainty. Um, the legalese was really not was uh, was scary. Uh, React Native also required you to use JavaScript, which I'll, which for me is a problem for a set of reasons. And uh, finally, the um, fact that uh, you have to deal with uh, many many uh, dependencies as a result of using. Uh, of using uh, JavaScript, but you also rely on hundreds of other people's uh, of other people's code to, to use uh, React Native. Let's take a break from this episode and really quickly talk about finding a job. You know, searching for a job can feel stressful, scary, and time-consuming. Pushy recruiters try to sell you on roles you don't actually want, and the job boards make you feel like you're throwing your resume into a black hole, never to be seen again. And sometimes you go all the way through an interview process just to find out that the very end that the salary offer or company culture doesn't match what you're looking for. Well, there's a solution. Hired.com is the world's most intelligent talent matching platform for full-time and contract opportunities. They make the job search faster, focused, and stress-free instead of endlessly applying to companies and hoping for the best. Hired puts you in control of how and when you connect with compelling opportunities. And after completing one simple application, top employers apply to you. And the best part is, is that you get money. That's right. They pay you if you get a job through them. Listeners to this show can earn double their normal hiring bonus by signing up with the show's link. That's right. You get $2,000 instead of $1,000. So go sign up at Hired.com slash iFreaks. Well, I think we can spend plenty of time on um, some of the shortcomings of JavaScript, but I, I think the the patent thing that you talk about is something that's probably, um, you know, most people don't consider it right away. It's just out of most developers' minds anyway, uh, most of the time. So let's talk a little bit about that. Sure. So you have a um, standard um, permissive BSD style uh, license, and uh, in addition to that, um, as with almost all other, uh, well, a lot of other Facebook open source um, projects, you have a, a file um, that's the additional grant of patent uh, rights version two. It's a document that's a bit of uh, it's a bit uh, schizophrenic. Um, it's got multiple personalities. It um, starts by granting you a, and I quote, perpetual, worldwide, royalty-free, non-exclusive, irrevocable license to use React Native. Yay! And then uh, you get uh, a cl- the, the following clause, which uh, I don't know if I should quote it straight away, but it basically, but I mean, I think it's worth quoting at uh, some length. Like, the license granted here under will terminate automatically 
And without notice, if you initiate directly or indirectly uh, or take a direct financial interest in, in any patent assertion against Facebook, against any uh, against Facebook or any of its subsidiaries or corporate affiliates, against any party, such patent assertions arises in whole or in part from any software, technology, product, or service of Facebook, under that against any party relating to the software. So I'm not a lawyer, and I asked a uh, lawyer uh, to help me clarify this. And what this boils down to is that if I, uh, according to uh, to Greg McCullen, which is uh, the lawyer, that if I initiate any lawsuit where I accuse Facebook of patent infringement against uh, my intellectual property, then my license to use React Native would be immediately terminated as a uh, result. So in the uh, this is one. Uh, I mean, the precise interpretation of this um, uh, additional grant of patent rights uh, clause is one that's more for IP uh, lawyers, software IP uh, lawyers, rather than for the uh, software engineers. Uh, I wouldn't want to, I'm not in a position to provide any qualified advice, but but I do know that one lawyer uh, has provided a, a pretty pessimistic uh, interpretation. This basically says that if, um, because the scenario that you, that uh, that this um, that this could lead to is that um, you are a company uh, with a wide variety of products, and uh, you develop your own IP and you develop your own apps and you use React Native in your apps. Say you make uh, jetpacks with virtual reality, which can be controlled with virtual reality or something, and you have an app to, for it that uses React Native. Facebook could, in theory, uh, say, well, steal your IP for the jetpacks, and then if you were to then sue Facebook for the... Um, if you were then to the, if you were if you were to then sue Facebook for the um, intellectual property um, for, for the intellectual property um, uh, if you were if you were to get into any kind of litigation legal into any in, any litigation against Facebook for uh, IP infringement uh, then your license to uh, then the license granted here under by the additional grant of patent rights would terminate. Automatically and without notice. So that that example That's, seems a, a little far fetched, but Facebook is a huge company that does tons of things. They're doing news and analytics. I mean, so they have their their hooks in a lot of different areas. So if if you're a large company or a billion have a large company, I mean, this is a real concern. And I've talked with other companies that are like, yeah, that's a that's a deal breaker for us because. Yeah, if you get into a riff with Facebook over something and they can uh, shut off your code, that's that's a real problem. So, you know, maybe if you're a startup, you're going to fly under the radar and like you have no chance of going after Facebook with any patent stuff, regardless of what they do. But if you're a larger company, that that risk becomes uh, pretty large. Well, take um, Airbnb uses uh, and contributes to uh, React Native, and uh, they're happy to. Uh, uh, and they're not, they don't seem to, and obviously it's because they do not believe that this, um, um, patent, uh, situation 
uh, poses any threat to them. Is does it pose any threat? Does it pose pose any concrete threat to anybody? Again, this is really a um, this is really a question for the uh, for lawyers to decide. And I would also like to add that, to my knowledge, no, um, there has, like this has never been taken to court. So we don't really. So there has been no precedence where uh, Facebook or anyone else uh, had to. No, or Facebook actually had to uh, invoke this clause. Uh, but what? Um, but a lawyer did point out that there was that I should that there was good reason to be worried, and also even a generous reading of uh, of this uh, patent clause of this uh, additional grant of patent rights. Does seem to leave the possibility to Facebook for Facebook to uh, infringe over my patents, and uh, with a lot of uh, with a lot of breathing room. The fact that Facebook uh, happens to not be a serial IP infringer today reassures me little. If it is possible for Facebook to become a serial IP infringer tomorrow and uh, punish retaliation from my side by revoking my license to use react native um and this is um and again it is uh this this is pessimistic but we're also reminded of but we should be pessimistic we should be pessimistic in uh in computer it's a, but it's a good idea to think of worst case scenarios in computer science that's what we do to evaluate our algorithms we don't care if an algorithm does extremely well 1% of the time. We care how badly it can possibly do. So take uh, your typical uh, linear search, like uh, linear search algorithms. Linear search algorithms will perform extremely well if the target value is the first one in the list. They will perform optimally. But they will perform very poorly if uh, uh, the target value is at the end. And it's possible for the target value to be at the end. And uh, so that's why you should, again, if, if we should evaluate, look, if, if, if we evaluate our algorithms based on worst possible case, we should evaluate uh, software licenses in the same way. Well, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, the people at Facebook might be benevolent now, but you get a shareholder, shareholder takeover, someone else is in charge and, they suddenly decide it's in their fiduciary duty to go after people like this. Um, if it's in, it just happens. This happens in business a lot. Not saying it will it happen on Facebook, but it can happen. Patent trolling is a thing. You, people make money out of uh, uh, exclusively, like, like, uh, people make money out of uh, patent trolling other people. Um, Facebook is doing very well now with their core businesses. Will the situation stay the same 50 years from now, 100 years from now? We don't really know. And the uh, re- and, and I guess the, the main reason for which I worry about this is not really that I have any particular grudge against uh, Facebook as a company itself, because Facebook has kept very silent, too silent, about this, uh, um, this document. Facebook, um, I mean, I'm not the first one to 
uh, raise uh, this issue. There, you'll find many GitHub issues and forum posts where developers uh, voice their concerns about the uh, additional grants of patent rights in React and in uh, React Native too. And uh, the only response from Facebook was given from um, developers. No lawyer, no no member, to my knowledge, no member of Facebook's uh, legal department uh, spoke out in clarifying matters and uh, reassured everybody, as we hope would be the case, that we have nothing to worry about and uh, there's nothing sinister about the... Uh, about this additional grant of patent rights. If there is nothing sinister about the additional grant of patent rights, why wouldn't Facebook say so? What doesn't it, it you'd think it, it wouldn't really cost them anything to publish, uh, to release, to, to, to make a formal statement and say, guys, there's no reason to worry. We will not patent troll anyone in the future. You, you have the wrong interpretation because of A, B, and C. Our motivations for including the additional grant of patent rights are hey, such and such. Why the silence? There, there are undoubtedly an army of lawyers within Facebook saying, do not say a word. Um, can neither confirm nor, yeah, can neither confirm nor deny we will be patent trolls in the future. Well, so Ariel, <sighs> along with the, I mean, the patent stuff, uh, let's talk about some of the other concerns that you had with, uh, with React Native. Right. One of them was uh, the fact that at the time I wrote uh, the article, uh, there was no clear uh, long-term, uh, explicit long-term commitment from Facebook uh, through the project. So we have we there was no uh, roadmap of, uh, of features. What were the uh, what were the upcoming features for React Native? Was this thing going to be implemented by the end of this year? Was it ever going to be implemented? Were they aware of uh, this? Um, were they aware of this bug? Were they? Uh, what should developers be on the lookout for? Like how long? What 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 would the uh, what was the Facebook React Native team going to work on for the foreseeable future for this coming year for the next year? And this is something that. Um, is a uh, common practice in uh, for uh, open source uh, platform makers. So you can think about uh, Ubuntu. Ubuntu does uh, publish a healthy, uh, has a scheduled. Um, okay, so Ubuntu Ubuntu promise, uh, Ubuntu has uh, an, a long term uh, support plan. So Ubuntu will publish a uh, desktop and a server release every uh, six months. And that will come out reliably. And if you go to their website, you'll see that your version of Ubuntu will be supported until uh, 2016. And then you'll know that, uh, and then the graph shows that your version of Ubuntu will be uh, superseded by a new version until 2019. And uh, it um, is a concrete form of uh, commitment by the Ubuntu makers that will support, uh, it will keep uh, releasing uh, sufficient uh, updates to your platform. Because this is the uh, crucial bit. The um, React Native is not a component of your app. It's not a uh, networking library. It's not 
a uh, parsing, uh, JSON parsing library. It's the um, entire platform your app uh, develops, on, uh, your app is developed on. If it were to, if development were to stall, if uh, Facebook were to give up uh, React Native for any reason, then the community would have to uh, keep uh, developing it. And uh, that might not be a situation you would want to be. That has happened in the past uh, before. And one, one such example is uh, the Parse platform, which Facebook acquired and then killed for some reason. And many people, I mean myself included, were heavily relying on... Um, on Parse, yeah, mm. Parse is a platform that made made money, caught, you know, charge for their services. Uh, where React Native is probably not driving revenue for Facebook. There's yeah, there's that. The um, we're so we're talking about the uh, even then if you're um, if you're local. I mean, yeah, Parse uh, lets you that you have a local database and a remote database for you to store data from uh, from your app. If that were if, you, if the rug were to be pulled from under that, and you had to switch to something else, it wouldn't be the end, the complete end of the world. You could, it's still a component. It's not the entire underlying uh, software development platform. Your app is entirely dependent on React Native. It's not just a tight coupling. It's a uh, it's its own um, it's its own it's the own uh, platform. Will the community ensure that the uh, project survives? Maybe, maybe not. Uh, I was not particularly uh, satisfied with the uh, with the uh, parse open source server. I mean, it did uh, it worked uh, great for very basic. Uh, very basic uh, functionality at the time we adopted it, which was admittedly a couple of months after uh, Parse um, micro, Parse went uh, open source, the Parse server went open source. Uh, but in production environments, that's not uh, satisfactory. We um, so uh, I guess as a uh, uh, the so Facebook has improved the situation in that respect, and a, a month ago. The uh, React Native wiki on GitHub now has a roadmap, which, and I quote, outlines some of the upcoming plans for React Native. It's a um, great step forward, and I guess it's uh, very important to know what will be the changes to uh, the uh, the core library, to the, um, will, will there be breaking changes in the future? Uh, what will be the team uh, focusing on? How can you? Um, that, 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 that's great information. Has not been addressed yet. Uh, we haven't heard anybody from Facebook say, "Guys, we will maintain React Native for the lifetime of your app." And that's a uh, point of concern. No, definitely, I agree. If you're investing tons of money into your app, if you're hiring a team of developers. You know, five ten developers, you could have, you know, millions of dollars invested in your app, and all of a sudden, the platform that you've been working on disappears. That's a, it's a big source of risk for a company, and something you can't just willy nilly uh, discard. Uh, you have to take it on. And I don't think it's the end of the world for a lot of companies. They'll think, well, something will 
something will come up and that's okay, but you should be aware of the risk. Another thing is that uh, neither, neither Apple or Google have offered to coordinate uh, efforts with Facebook, nor do they consider React Native as a, um, a first-class citizen of their, uh, of their ecosystems. So Facebook isn't counting, to my knowledge, with any um, uh, formal support or coordination from the makers of the platforms that React Native is targeting, So, which is a bit ironic when your uh, aim is to uh, reduce silos. It takes, I looked, I looked this up on my map, it takes uh, 15 minutes to drive from the Facebook headquarters to the Google headquarters and another 15 minutes to drive from Apple headquarters. So if Mark really cared about uh, cutting costs on mobile development, uh, then he would take uh, Larry and Tim out to lunch one day and ask them to support whether in tech or in spirit. His his um his, his cross platform mobile development efforts, but to this day neither Larry nor Tim have pronounced uh, one word in favor of React Native. Uh, in fact, Tim pushes for improving Apple's uh, software development platform to make it uh, superior to any alternatives. And Larry is pouring money into a competing cross-platform development framework, namely Flutter, which allows you to write cross-platform iOS and Android apps in uh, Dart. So it's um, it's not very. Um, and remember, I mean, it's a it's and, and this is speculation, admittedly, but this is. Um, but the, the, the problem is that there is too much room for speculation. If you trust Facebook, if you, if you, if you trust no, having no promises from, through Facebook, then if you trust Facebook enough to not have any promises for, for them to keep maintaining your software development project, then uh, that will be a problem. And if you don't, then that will be a problem. But I don't want to have to trust. I just want a formal commitment. That's good. I think the commitment's good. So we're running a little bit low on time. Uh, anything else you want to uh, tell us about before we get to the picks? There's one thing I want to. Um, there's one thing I would like to um, uh, point out, and that's that I don't wish in any uh, way, and it is not my intention in any way, to uh, demonize uh, React Native or uh, Facebook. I believe that the, uh, the Facebook and the React Native team made an incredibly uh, strong and fantastic effort to make a great cross-platform development framework. Uh, they have abstracted out dozens of uh, essential UI kit components uh, they ported uh, CSS, Flexbox, Layout System. They wrote and assembled uh, development tools needed for you to painlessly see JavaScript files come to life as an app on an iOS simulator or device and on Android uh, too. So they've, um, they've, they've, done an, they've done an amazing effort. It's just that I believe that, that the, uh, it was not in the right uh, direction. 
Um, at the same time, the uh, I want to say that the uh, one of the reasons I wrote the article was because I saw that there was a, a lack of critical evaluations of new of React Native. And there's a general lack of critical evaluations of new platforms and frameworks. The typical blog post you see uh, wax lyrical about how great a platform is and how great a library is. And uh, it's, of course, it's extremely important for us to uh, point out the, um, the strong points of libraries. But uh, these articles should be more balanced. There is a... And this is part of a trend, which I guess we've all noticed, which um, which is um, that if you're critical, then you're not being nice. And uh, you should be nice, and therefore you should not be critical. And uh, I think there is... I think there are ways to be nice and critical at the same time. And I think we shouldn't... Uh, confuse I should we really should not confuse the two no that makes a lot of sense I think it's important like to have a culture where you can say that things aren't aren't perfect and there's always trade-offs so if you've been doing this long enough you realize there's there's trade-offs with any approach you take it's going to work in some cases and not in some cases but we're running a lot of time um, let's get to the picks Ariel uh, what do you have for us so I have uh, three picks one it's directly uh, relevant to uh, what we just uh, were talking about is uh, one of the uh, world's greatest essays written by Paul Graham of Y Combinator, which is How to Disagree. And uh, he explains how to disagree, what's, uh, how to distinguish uh, good quality disagreements from bad quality disagreements. And uh, that's one of the uh, foundational guidelines of the Wikipedia community, for instance. And he, exp- and he basically makes a beautiful and well argued case for uh, disagreeing uh, critically and uh, with uh, passion, force, but also uh, constructively. The second one uh, is a... Um, <laughs> It's an article on. Uh, it's a bullet. It's a bullet list of uh, what real programmers are, and it's just a list. It's a. It's a funny list of uh, definitions of what real programmers are. So one of them, for instance, is uh, real programmers never work nine to five. If any real programmers are around at nine a.m., it's because they were up all night. And another one to poke fun at uh, myself and my criticism of JavaScript. Is uh, real programmers never program in COBOL. Money is no object. Another one uh, of my picks is a uh, comic chainsaw suit, which I love. And this uh, this particular comic is uh, a criticism on uh, how people tend to do a lot of research nowadays. And maybe I'm also deserving of that criticism. Awesome. I'm looking forward to checking those out. So uh, thank you so much for coming on the show, Ariel. It's uh, been a good overview of some of the downsides of React Native. So it's, as you mentioned, it's a great tool, but it may not be for everyone. Thanks for 
uh, sharing your experience. My pleasure. And thank you again for uh, having me on the show. And for one last thing, let's not mistake criticism. Let's not confuse criticism with contempt. I only have, I do not have contempt for React Native. I just want to offer some criticism to make uh, the uh, discussion more balanced. That's it. I think, right. I think that's good. Thanks, Ariel. My pleasure. Thank you, guys. It was great talking to you.